What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. This is just Jenna on the intro right now, but Sam is in the episode. Don't you guys worry. We had a tropical storm that hit Florida right in the middle of the episode. So don't you worry. We didn't miss a beat. It's all an incredible episode with Miss Colleen Christensen at no.food.rules on Instagram, who I am sure you guys know she has a quarter million followers and is absolutely killing it. We love everything that she posts and shares. And this episode today was really incredible. Um, A little bit about Colleen first. Colleen is a registered dietitian who believes in the power of food freedom. Through her social media channels, blogs, videos, and incredibly popular membership community, The Society, which is E-A-T in the middle there. She helps women to stop dieting and start fueling their bodies intuitively without food rules. Well, another play on words. Um, As a dietitian, Colleen knows the importance of nutrition, but also that an unhealthy obsession can be detrimental to our health. Finding the quote-unquote balance we're all striving for isn't a mystical unicorn. It's 180% within everyone's reach, and Colleen guides and inspires others to find this style of food freedom that feels good mentally and physically. And truly, the episode today, we talked about food rules. We've never actually defined what a food rule is and how to break them um, on our podcast. And so we had the expert on that discussing it today. And we talked about sneaky food rules and we talked about gentle nutrition and we talked about how intuitive eating is not just about eating donuts. Um, We talked about how social media has distorted the idea of intuitive eating and how to really understand what it truly means. Um, And my personal favorite aspect of this episode is something that I believe very, very strongly in. And we talked about how to make food fun again, how to bring fun back into the kitchen, how to enjoy food and cooking. And she gives some really incredible examples of how she has brought that back into her own life. And now that that I've just told you everything that we talked about in this episode, which is not true because there are some surprises in there. I just am excited for you guys to hear it. And I'm excited to hear your response from it. Colleen is an absolute expert and she does such a great job of breaking down all of these topics for us. So without further ado, as Sammy would say, enjoy this episode with No Food Rules. Welcome back everyone. (laughs) 
we didn't use our hand raising this time. <laughs> That's all right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What's the Actual Fork podcast. We have the one and only No Food Rules here today, Miss Colleen Christensen. Did I say that correctly? Yes, you did. Okay, awesome. We're so excited to have you here. And Sammy and I promise that we're going to be better about not talking over each other now. <laughs> I got some weird like message whenever you hit record and I wasn't sure if I was supposed to do something and like something popped up. So we're just rolling with the punches today. (laughs) Love it. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to chit chat with you. Yes. We are so excited to have you here. As we were just saying off air, it's been so cool in our like anti-diet online community to just see all of the accounts growing. And yours is one that I remember when you were the mitten dietitian, like oh my way gosh. back in the day. <laughs> and now you're no food rules and you have a massive community. So it's been so cool to see. So would love for those who maybe are just hearing about you now, which I'm sure all of our listeners know who you are. I was going to say very few. <laughs> yeah. But for those who maybe are more new to your page, if you don't mind just sharing with us, Colleen, like what has been your story of growth? Like, have you always been this no food rules dietitian? Like, how did you get to where you are today, personally, professionally? What is your story? Yeah. So like I said, thank you guys for having me. And it's just like, like you said, it's just been so interesting to see everyone grow. I mean, just the community as, as a whole. I mean, I remember you guys from years ago and it's just crazy to see how everyone also stays connected and supports each other along the way. Um, so me, I am Colleen. I am a non-diet intuitive eating dietitian and where do I even start? My work today, first of all, I never envisioned this to be something that I would make my career. Um, It was kind of something that I just kind of fell into. And throughout my own struggles, I kind of figured out that, you know, I need to step into that role and be the person that I felt like I didn't have um, that could have really just honestly helped me become an intuitive eater, find food freedom faster. So that's kind of how I, I got here today. So kind of my history with food is I never really had an issue with food. I had a very good relationship with food and body up until college. And I feel like this is like, we hear this story, like the same story over and over. It's always at a kind of like a turning point in our lives whenever, and I always say this, is that food and body image are a coping mechanism. So if we all kind of link it back to when it started, it's typically around a life change or a life event or something like that. And for me, it was college. It was, I mean, as I was going for dietetics, and you guys know that's very rigorous, very competitive, um, and it turned into my kind of coping mechanism, right? So restricting food, I got very controlling with my food. It ended up controlling me, and it kind of started off being very restrictive, and then I knew after a couple years, I was like, this is just not not healthy. This is not sustainable. It really got to the point where I looked forward in my life and was like, I can't keep doing this forever. Like if I want the, I always kind of paint this picture of, I wanted to be able to be married and have kids and sit down for a pancake breakfast and pour the maple syrup and have the whipped cream and all that stuff. And, you know, take my kids out for ice cream and whatnot. And that was just, I, I, it, I couldn't, couldn't happen with the food rules that I had. So I knew that something had to change. 
And then I felt like, again, like I didn't have anyone there that really got it. I did work with some dietitians, um, worked with, you know, therapists. And again, it was just like, I felt like no one really got it. And I really struggled. I went from the restrictive side of things to the binge eating side of things. And now I know like that's totally normal. Uh, it's, you know, a biological response. But at the time I thought I was going crazy. I was like, I was just so restrictive. And now I'm like binge eat, like binge eating so much food. And it just, I, I felt out of control. I felt cr honestly crazy because I didn't understand. And then after years of, you know, working through this, stumbling upon the intuitive eating book, lots of trial and error to figure out what worked, what didn't. Then I started to make progress with my relationship with food, my body. And at that point, I was starting to feel pretty good about it. Again, I did not envision this being my career. I was actually working as a pediatric dietitian with inborn errors and metabolism. So very, very specific genetic disorders, very fascinating, but I kind of knew all along it like didn't light me up. Um, and then the more, the more comfortable that I got with my journey and was like, wow, like, again, those years of trial and error and struggle, like, could have really been kind of sped up if I had a little bit more guidance in this and I wasn't taking five steps, five steps forward and four steps back. And I started to get into the kind of the social media thing. And it was... I was posting what I thought people wanted me to post, you know, nutrition information, what you'd kind of expect from a dietitian, but it just didn't necessarily feel aligned. And again, the more comfortable that I got with my story, then I started posting about it. So you mentioned Mitten Dietitian. Mitten Dietitian was kind of the um, Mitten. I'm from Michigan, shaped like a Mitten. So that's where that name came from. But the more comfortable that I got with my story, I started to kind of share more glimpses of that. And that's when people were like, you know, wow, like I resonate with that. Tell me more about how you were able to overcome that. And it was kind of a slow progression from kind of the general nutrition information to sharing more of my story and the steps that I took to get here. But the more that I did, the more authentic I felt. The more, again, I was like, this is what I didn't have. And I saw the impact that I was making on people's lives and it just kind of kept snowballing from there. I mean, you guys know how it is with social media. You start to build this thing and you just feel this the sense of just gratitude for it all and wanting to help others get to this place. And that's really what lights me up. So that's what I've made my career into today, helping others find this idea of food freedom that feels good, both mentally and physically. Um, finding, I hate the term balance because I feel like we're always striving for something when in reality, it's more of like fluidity and things can ebb and flow, but just finding what feels good and learning to enjoy food again. And I feel like I'm just like rambling because I could literally talk about this forever because it lights me up, but that's kind of my, my spiel in general, um, about how I got here. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Path yes. So Sam and I have been scrolling your Instagram and just, there's so many different topics that we 
want to talk about today, but honestly, I feel like we have to start with no food rules, right? So that's who you are. That's what you stand behind. Um, You have a specific post about sneaky food rules, but I don't Mm -hmm. think that we've ever actually covered in an episode, like what are food rules and like, what can they look like for people and how can we help people identify what some of them that, and we talk about this a lot that, you know, oftentimes the issue is, So many of these food rules are so normalized by the public that people don't actually know that they're problematic. So Mm -hmm. for you, when you're talking with clients about maybe identifying their food rules first, like how did, how does that look um, in those conversations? Yeah. So typically kind of the way that I describe a food rule is what is really when you allow external information, like diet plans, tips, advice, those things that you've gotten to be kind of like the sole determinant of your food choices or your feelings about food. Um, and really you kind of, that's, you have all these external reasons for your food choices and you've lost touch with kind of the internal part. And the way that I kind of explain intuitive eating, cause you might be like, well, Colleen, like, you know, I know this piece of information about nutrition. It's good for my health. Really for me, food freedom is the merriment of external information and your internal cravings and cues. So it's not that external information. We just, you know, throw it to the wayside. It's really the merriment. So when you allow external information to be, like I said, kind of that sole determinant, like, okay, I need to have X, Y, Z on my plate, or I can only eat at this time, or this is, you know, a good or bad food. That's more of a, that food rule versus, um, like I said, kind of that, that merriment of allowing yourself to say, is this what I actually want? Is this something that feels good to me? And really kind of allowing yourself to have a say in it. I love that. That's so, so important to bring light to. So for people that are listening that they're like, well, I think I have some food rules or, you know, where do you start? Is it, it, and obviously we all kind of walk through this with our clients, but we would love for no food rules to tell the listeners how to have no food rules. So Mm -hmm. what is your process? Maybe even if you could give a concrete example, right. Of like, okay, here's a food rule and here's how we would break this down together. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So I always say just kind of start with like a brain dump of your food rules. So for instance, is there anything, and this can be a good idea, just keep like a notes app, open the notes app on your phone and just keep running lists of things. For instance, is there something that you always do at breakfast that you feel like you have to do? Maybe it is, I, you know, don't let myself eat till a certain time. I, or I have to, um, you know, always have certain things on my plate at breakfast. Um, Those are certain things like that throughout the day, or also noticing kind of your belief system about food, because I feel like a lot of people, common food rules, I mean, things like I can, you know, only eat half a banana, or I, you know, have to count out how many crackers I'm eating. Those are more kind of like concrete ones, but the, there's also the morality food rule. And I feel like people forget about this one a lot. They say, oh, you know, well, I allow myself to eat all foods. I don't tell myself I can't eat that. But if you're viewing a food as good or bad, that again is kind of that morality food rule. So kind of going about your day too and noticing, is there any foods that I'm feeling like, ooh, you know, thoughts that I'm having, ooh, I shouldn't have that, or that's a bad food, or, um, you know, that's quote unquote unhealthy. Those are things to just kind of take note of. And I kind of say, like I said, just go about your day. And if you are making lunch and you're making a salad, kind of think about that. Would 
what would you feel about having a sandwich? Maybe you view bread as, you know, quote unquote bad, or you would say, oh, you know, I could have that, but you know, only half or, you know, oh, having two slices of bread would be too much. Then those are kind of the food rules. And they're so unique to everyone. And I feel like also when you're first doing this initial brain dump of your food rules, really just kind of view it as a working list. Um, I always say, I want everyone to understand that in this whole food freedom process, taking baby steps is okay. If we try to wait until everything is perfect, or you know what, I'm not going to even start breaking my food rules until I have this perfect list, it's not going to happen. So just get this working list going. Anything that you notice about food um, throughout that day is a really good starting place. And like I said, you're not going to have a totally complete list. I have, you know, people that I've worked with and a year from now, they'll be like, wow, I didn't realize I had this food rule because they had a new experience that they might not have happened happened in a year. So just kind of get this, just flush them out. And obviously the ones that are going to be the most important are going to be the ones that you're actually encountering on a daily basis. So just get that out there. And then from there, um, kind of the way that I say to work through food rules is to order them first from easiest to break to hardest to break and just focus on that first easiest rule. I feel like a lot of times especially people who struggle with food rules, a lot of times are, have this kind of like perfectionistic personality. And we want to kind of have this like all or nothing thinking too, like, okay, I'm going to break all these rules at once. But again, just allow yourself to feel what is it like to break one of your food rules? What comes up? Because that can also kind of guide even more of that insight into your relationship with food. So that's kind of an overview of how I say to first like identify your food rules and then kind of go through breaking them. I'm like traumatized because you listed two of the ones that I used to tell people when I was diet culture Jenna. <laughs> the half a banana like will haunt me forever. And I think I've mentioned this on a podcast in the past, but I was talking about how I used to work where Sam and I met um, for a grocery store and people would come in for free nutrition. Mm -hmm. And this girl like DM'd me and she was like, you told me to only have half a banana when I was your client. I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like that's one of the worst food rules ever. Um, but that is so helpful. And I think that for a lot of clients and people that I've spoken with um, in DMs or just in casual conversation, I think the fear or the anxiety around what will eating be like without rules is something mm -hmm. that can really overtake um, and really ruin the food experience. And I know one of the things we wanted to talk about was how to bring fun back in to eating again. And so, you know, to connect those two things, like how do you really share with people that like you can enjoy food without the rules and feel good and all of those things where they don't even know where to start? Mm -hmm. Yes, it, it, the whole process feels very overwhelming. And that's how I felt too, when I was going through this, it was like, okay, so I have to make peace with all these foods. I have to relearn my hunger and fullness. I have to, you know, understand how to implement gentle nutrition without making it obsessive. Like it feels so overwhelming. And I feel like that could be very paralyzing to even get started. 
And for me, again, it was like one day I was like, okay, we're going to do all of this. And the next day I just was like, so again, kind of like paralyzed. And I just wanted to retreat back to my restrictive tendencies because that's what I knew. That's what felt more comfortable at the time. So again, I really think that it's okay to kind of work through those things and to understand that it won't it won't happen overnight. I mean, we hear this all the time. This is nothing new. It's definitely, I have like, I don't love the term journey, but it, it, it's what describes it so perfectly. Right. I feel like it sounds so cheesy, but it's true. It's this journey that we go through. Um, but to kind of bring that fun with food in, that's like, I, food is so, it's enjoyable for me now. I love making recipes. I love, I was just in the kitchen. I did a whole recipe testing day on Sunday. My husband was out watching golf and he came home and I was like, this is like my happy place. Like when I can, I made ice cream, I made some muffins. And it was just like, that was just so fun for me to be able to enjoy food again um, and not feel like stressed over it. Right. So it's, it's going to be a different relationship with food and finding a way that that's, it's going to be different for everyone too. And just finding the smaller and more enjoyable pieces. So some easy things that people can do are, okay, you know, what kind of toppings can I put on things? What do I enjoy about this food? Really identifying what is it about it that's satisfying to you? Is it that crunch? For me, one thing that I've really, we're thinking about bananas now, I've really been loving having in the mornings, like a banana split. Um, so I'll have like a banana, cut it in half and then put some, I've been putting like blueberry yogurt on it and then some granola on top, some peanut butter. It is like the most satisfying thing. And it's also fun and like being able to try different flavors on it and whatnot. And that's just where you kind of get, get to get creative. But how did you get to that point? It's like, okay, I found that having a little bit of crunch is really satisfying. Mixing flavors is really satisfying. Um, for me, getting color on, I just made a salad for lunch and it was like, okay, how much color can I add to this? Because I find that when I see food and it has lots of color on it, that just makes me excited. That makes me enjoy it more. So it's finding those sorts of things to kind of focus on with your food versus the things that we used to. Like, again, is this, do, am I labeling this good or bad? Do I feel like this is on plan or do I feel like I'm falling off the wagon? It's, it's really viewing food through a different lens. Well, guys, it's no secret that stresses have been high in our lives. And this is Jenna specifically at this moment speaking about stress. Um, and my stress management routine is something that's super important to me. I often use a gratitude journal, journaling in general, breath work, and I try to do meditation, but I'm really not so great at it. So I've been looking for a new thing or product to add into my stress management routine. And after lots of research, I've found a brand that I'm super excited to share with you guys, Soul CBD. The CBD gummies that I have been trying that I've added into my stress management routine are delicious. And after taking them, I felt an overwhelming sense of calm. And they do taste really good. I love their raspberry flavor, but we're really excited to gift you guys a code so you can get your hand on some of these yummy CBD gummies at mysoulcbd.com forward slash WTAF and make sure to use WTAF at the code at checkout for 15% off. 
And I love, you said earlier something, I forget how you stated it, but you were saying like looking at your beliefs with food mm-hmm. and what you're talking about even right now is reminding me of a, a conversation I had with a client. We were looking at her beliefs about cooking and prepping and how she grew up in a family where her mom hated cooking and she kind of had taken on that belief. And so now we're working about like challenging that belief system and kind of breaking that down. And it's, it can be such a joyous thing. Not that everybody has to love cooking because mm-hmm. some people won't and that's okay. Um, but I think it comes back to just challenging those belief systems. Exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying. Just yeah. so, so powerful. And, and trying things in a new way too. So even with like, I was just talking about this with veggies, it's like, what can, let's try something. Let's try something new. So for instance, if you're struggling with cooking or you're struggling with, you know, I never want to eat a vegetable again in my life. Okay. Well, let's think about how can we do this differently, especially if you have cooked a certain way when you were dieting, or you've only eaten certain vegetables when you're dieting, of course, doing those things might be like, I don't want to do this because you're associating it with dieting or you're associating it with a time in your life when you had a certain relationship with food. So, okay, maybe we try, you know, different recipes or we try, um, different ingredients or you try prep veggies a different way. Someone in my membership community just posted, you know, I have been really struggling with eating veggies and, but then I thought, how do I prepare them in a different way? She roasted them. I'm a big fan of air fryer veggies. They are like air fryer carrots are my jam. They have that like sweetness, that little bit of like caramelization on them. So good. But how can you start to get creative with kind of those things and view them in a different way, just to kind of, like I said, change things up and develop a new relationship with food. I love this. And I think that what you've really nailed right now, and you have a post that I don't want to open because it has sound on it. So (laughs) I don't want it to like interfere on here, but like, there are so many misconceptions about intuitive eating and food freedom and foods that we prioritize. Right. And Mm -hmm. you've talked about vegetables in such an exciting and fun and delicious way. And you have a post, it's a reel. So again, I don't want to have it blasting in the background, but about intuitive eating is not unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's in air quotes, and I would love to hear more about that post and how this can all like, just again, tie up this conversation about finding the enjoyment in all foods, Mm -hmm. including vegetables and others. Yeah. I feel like, so, I mean, I love social media because I mean, it's connected us. We're talking right now. Right. But at the same time, it's so easy for the actual messages of things to get lost because especially, I mean, for, for me, I write out, I pretty much use the max characters for every single post, every Instagram post that I do, because there's so much to say. And I want to make sure that I'm actually portraying the information that needs to be, to be given. But let's be real. Most people just look at the picture and, oh, that's a donut. Okay. That's a piece of pizza. That's, you know, mac and cheese. And that's what they get from it. Right. So I understand why people think that like, oh, intuitive eating is, you know, going to make everyone unhealthy. It's just eating donuts all day long. And that's kind of what I call the social media way of intuitive eating. If you are just focusing on the pictures or what you're seeing and you're not taking in the full messaging, because I always use kind of like the Venn diagram. Like again, it is merriment of the 
external nutrition information, health knowledge that we have in our internal cravings and desires. It's really about marrying those. So yes, nutrition information does play a role in it. It's just, it's not the, the only, the only choice or the only part of your decision. And it's just viewing things again in a new way. And I feel like also it's important to understand your why with implementing the nutrition information. So why are you wanting to do this? Is it because it makes you feel good? Is it because you quote unquote think you should? That reflection of understanding why you're making some of your food choices is really huge. And it can feel kind of awkward at first because you I mean, when we're dieting, we try, diet culture tries to make us not think about our eating choices. And so, okay, here's your plan. This is what you should be following. And when you take time to reflect and understand the true reason, again, is it because it makes you feel good? Is it because you like, you know, the nutrients that your body, you're giving your body, um, those things, that's what really allows to kind of have that nutrition information without the obsession to kind of come into play. Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? Okay. (laughs) And I think that comes back to looking at with intuitive eating, right? The challenge, the food police principle where Mm -hmm. that nutrition informant that used to be a negative voice when we're in diet culture, as we become an intuitive eater and really adopt food freedom, it can become that nutrition ally where the nutrition information is neutral and can be used, like you said, in a positive way. Like us anti-diet intuitive eating dietitians aren't like anti-vegetable. And I think that Mm -hmm. or anti-health, just like your post and what Jenna called out. So thank you so much for shedding light on that because you're right on social media. That has to be probably one of the main myths about intuitive eating is that it's Mm -hmm. anti-health and like anti air quotes, healthy foods. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So there's so many places we could go with this, but I feel like you, you've done such a great job of kind of combining everything together with food rules and kind of how to start breaking them down and bringing fun back to food. I think um, there was a, a storm in Florida for a second. Oh no! I will. I'll take over. She'll be back. Okay. I think I know where she's going with this. <laughs> that at the end of each episode, um, or towards the end of each episode, if we were to bring all of this information together and help our audience take away one key thing. Like you've gone over so many great pieces about gentle nutrition and no food rules and enjoying food again and cooking and, you know, what intuitive eating really is. But if somebody was just to walk away with one piece of information, whether you have stated it or not already, what would you want that to be? What would be like the big driver? I think that It's going to look different for everyone in that really you, you get to decide what feels good for you. And my bottom line is that I believe that everyone deserves to have an eating style that makes them feel good, both mentally and physically. So that is really the goal to me. So if, I mean, someone's listening to this and it's like, okay, well, how do I get there? Just 
again, you don't have to, it's not this all or nothing thing. Just dip your toes into the water and say, okay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try this, or I'm going to even just follow more Instagram accounts or learn more about it. You know, pick up the intuitive eating book, do something like that. Just take a baby step forward. I don't know if you guys have seen the movie. What about Bob? Um, Oh, it's hilarious. <laughs> and now I need to. Okay. <laughs> baby steps, baby steps. And I'm like, yes, like that's okay. I feel like, especially in today's uh, culture, like we like the extremes, like that's what gets attention. But I find that, I mean, sometimes just doing that doesn't work for everyone. You know, that's okay. Take it at your own pace. Um, so I guess that's kind of like big picture is that you deserve an eating style that makes you feel good mentally and physically. I truly believe that. And again, that's going to look different for everyone. And that's why I always say to people, I'm not going to tell you what to eat. I'm going to teach you how to eat. I can help guide you with that, but I'm, I'm not just going to tell you what to eat because I'm not you, right? You're going to have to start to do that, that digging. I can help you understand how to do that, but it's going to, what you feel, feel good mentally and physically with is going to be different than what I do because we're different bodies, right? Um, so it's kind of like the big picture. And then to understand that it's okay, again, to kind of like take those steps and to say, you know, because it is scary, right? When we are deviating <laughs> from something that we've been doing for years or decades, it's okay to be like, I'm nervous about this. I maybe, and I feel like this is the right decision, but I'm not totally sure. Just dip your toes into the water. Again, follow accounts, take in there's so much information on social media, um, you know, just take in some of that and allow yourself to get comfortable with the process. And I always say, um, everything's going to snowball and you just have to start that momentum and start to let it move. But if you never take that first baby step, you're never going to end up like with this, let's use some imagery here, like a three, you know, three foot snowman or something like that. You're not going to end up with that if you never start actually building that snowball. So just take those steps and know that, I mean, it's you're you don't have to be alone during this process. That is one of the main reasons why created my membership community because I felt so isolated when I was going through this. Granted, this was years ago before intuitive eating was a big thing, which I think is amazing now that there's so many people on this journey too, but know that you don't have to feel alone. And I feel like for me, when I finally found people who I could talk to about this, who are going through the same things that I was, it not only made me feel, like I said, less, way less crazy than I felt when I was, you know, attempting to do this. But to be honest, it also really helped my relationship with my then boyfriend, now husband, because he didn't feel like he had to fix anything, right? He, he could, he can't understand this. He's never been in my shoes. He was so supportive, but it took kind of that pressure off of him um, in our relationship for me to have a place to go to people who did get it where I could just vent if I needed to. Um, that was, that was super huge. I know that was kind of like three different things, but there's no, a lot I want so people good. to know. <laughs> so good. I feel like you have such a realistic and for lack of a better term, like gentle approach to this journey. Sorry. Yes. Um, that's so <laughs> important and it's so refreshing and I so appreciate you sharing that with us. And I think we can have a whole episode number two on this, um, about the relationship with your partner aspect. Oh my gosh, that's yes. huge. Yes. We can go on for, for hours about that mm -hmm. one. And maybe we'll, we will have to have you back for that part, but you mentioned your membership program and for people that don't know about that and where to find you, can you 
steer them in the right direction because it sounds like you have so many great things to offer everyone. Yeah. So my, the membership community is called the society spelled E A T Y. Cause we're a society that actually likes to eat. I love a good little humor in there, but really it is a community where yes, you have the guidance of again, kind of like the step-by-step guidance from someone who's been there, but also that community piece. So it's hundreds of women coming together, supporting each other. I find that there's so much value in having people again, who have been in your shoes more recently. And also it's so beautiful. I feel like, especially in recently, we've had a lot of members get pregnant and it's nice for them to be like, Hey, my body's changing. You know, I'm having different cravings. Can someone who's been in this place help me? It's, we literally have members of all ages, which is amazing. Um, so there's that. And then we have guest expert workshops on just different areas of nutrition that might be helpful every month, mini challenges, just making it fun, um, as part of a community. So again, that's just a society. It's linked on my website. Um, you can check us out on Instagram as well. I love that. And where can people find you on Instagram? Yes. And I am at food.rules. Just in case they didn't know that already. Well, Colleen, (laughs) thank you so much for being here. This was incredible. It's going to help so many people and we cannot wait to share it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at what the actual fork pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig inspiring kid confidence.